0: From the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods of moving and storage studios, it's The Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Thank you for joining us, America. Christina Ellis, number one best-selling author, Ramsey personality is my co-host today. We'll take your calls at triple eight eight two five five two two five. Barbara's in Phoenix to start this hour off. Hey, Barbara, how are you? I'm well, thank you for and How are you? Better than we deserve. What's up?
1: Well, I have uh, some rental property and some cash, and I'm eighty years old and. I want to leave all of this money to my children and I want to get rid of these four last rentals but I have tenants that's been in there for a long time and I don't know should I lose money by letting them stay in there because they're comfortable or should I sell them and put the money aside?
0: How are you losing money?
1: I said I'm not lose well I'll, I'll because of the the market is going down and I feel like if I wait another year, I'm going to get a year less in income. I mean, yeah. not in income, but uh, price. for the sale.
0: Yeah. Okay. Are you ill? Am I ill? Mm-hmm. Are you sick?
1: No. no, I'm not sick. Okay. All
0: right. Just asking. So, um, well, I, Phoenix has had some price adjustment. Uh, part of the but it's not had a lot of value adjustment. The difference is that some of the properties were priced up, 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 up because it was such a hot market, and now they're not pricing them quite so crazy. But the values have held overall. Uh, The houses are bringing less than they were asking before, but we have not seen a huge drop in value in Phoenix, and I don't think that you're going to lose substantial money in one year um but and and, and if you may if you make it, it two them. years, then you're probably gonna make money by keeping them. are they under rented? It sounds like you don't you're not charging enough rent the way you described
1: it. I'm this. not charging enough rent but um they're comfortable I'm, i I don't need any money I know so uh I would rather help those people that are struggling than to make any extra money and pay it out to the government because I do pay uh taxes on it Sure
0: sure Okay. Um so you have tenants that are charity cases?
1: Yes, for the most part. They don't fix income, yes.
0: Okay. All right. Um well, here's the deal. All right. If um your kids yeah, your kids probably don't want the real estate, right? They probably just rather They, they have the
1: cash. don't. They don't want.
0: it. Okay. What did you pay for these rentals and have you been depreciating them for many, many years?
1: You know what? I bought them in the '70s, oh, and I paid, Lord. and I paid uh, nothing for five houses less than a hundred thousand yeah. dollars.
0: And the group is worth what now?
1: Right now, uh, uh, I would say three quarters of a million.
0: Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing: they're right they're you, if in you the sell, downtown if, area. Yeah. If you sell them now, you're going to pay capital gains on the difference in what you sell them for and your basis your adjusted basis, which your basis is what you paid for them minus the depreciation that you have taken, and you probably depreciated them all the way out, you're probably going to pay taxes on every dollar that you sell them for if you sell them now. Okay? Right. If instead you do a will, do you have a will?
1: Yes, I have a will and live trust, yes.
0: Okay. Then in the will, leave detailed instructions to the executor of the estate. Who's the executor? One of your kids? yes that they are to sell the properties upon your death and distribute the proceeds okay here's why okay. when they inherit seven hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of market value property if they sell it for seven hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars there's zero tax if you sell okay. it you're gonna pay tax on all of it Okay, that's what I needed to know there's a stepped-up basis your zero basis becomes mar- – their basis is market value at death. Okay. Your basis is what you paid for it minus the depreciation you've taken, which has probably got these houses at zero basis or close. Yes. Okay. And so you're going to pay taxes on almost the whole thing. They're going to pay taxes on nothing, but and they can sell it and turn it into money, you know, three weeks after you're gone or whatever the oh, proper, proper procedure it, that, is in that's Arizona. That's what I needed to hear. Yeah, but leave instructions – That way your your heirs don't think, well, Mama wanted us to keep these properties and take care of these people on fixed income, because that's not what Mama wants. Mama wants these things sold. Yes. So be sure you write that down and say it out loud for everybody to read. Matter of fact, make it an instruction in the will. The properties are to be liquidated upon my death and the proceeds dispersed equally or whatever you want it to be.
1: Okay. I listen to you every day, and I know I've got a lot of different answers, but that's the right answer right there.
0: That's the right answer. You can check with your estate planning attorney and with your tax person, and they will both confirm that this is actually one piece of tax law that I do know. Most of it I don't, but that one I do know, inside and out.
2: That's so good. I feel like I'm learning something. And I think that's just such a gift to give such clear instructions upon death in the will.
0: Oh, it's so helpful. Because otherwise, it's always who shot John, right? So Mama said, last time I was with Mama, she said, and that's the way, you know, these arguments go on forever. And it's like, you and you end up keeping some stupid piece of real estate because of some rumor of what <laughs> mama said, you know. And so, no, you got to make it very clear. And in this case, we're talking about probably uh, $150,000, $200,000 worth of difference in tax. Ooh. That one phone call. Wow. Yeah.
2: And that's just such a highlight of you know, ask the questions. No question is dumb to ask you. I mean, maybe there are some dumb questions, but especially in the world of taxes and wills and leaving things to your heirs, these are important questions to ask that literally could have just saved her so much money.
0: Yeah. And and the beauty of it is, I mean, obviously she's sharp as a tack. I mean, no question about that lady. She on, on game on right there, but she's got a will. She's built a million dollar estate. You know, she's a millionaire sitting mm-hmm. there in Phoenix. She's watching the Phoenix market like a hawk. I mean, <laughs> this woman's not sitting back drinking Ovaltine. I'm just saying, <laughs> she's she's getting her done, man. I love it. So, uh, she she's cool, and, and uh, that's who that's who we want to be when we grow up when we're eighty. I
2: know. I'm You're gonna interested. be a
0: millionaire managing the estate for tax efficiency. Wow. Very sophisticated there. Very well done, Barbara. Very well done. And uh, that's the thing. Everyone, you guys need a will. If you're over 18 years old, you need a will. If you hate the people that you're in your family, leave unclear instructions and no will. Because they will all fight the rest of of their lives over your crap. Mm. And it'll cost them like an extra bazillion dollars in attorney's fees and court costs. It'll all get tied up in court and delayed. Oh, yeah, you can completely screw up people's lives, leaving them your stuff poorly. And if you love them, do the opposite. Crystal clear, detailed game plan. Signed, notarized, and witnessed wills. Go to mamabearlegalforms.com. Get your stinking will in place. This is The Ramsey Show. Christina Ellis Ramsey personality is my co-host today. For 30 years, we've taught people how to live like no one else so that one day they can give like no one else and live like no one else. And as it turns out, the world is full of generous people. There's even a special day to recognize it. It's Giving Tuesday. To celebrate, we want to share one way you can show radical generosity and have a huge impact on kids across the country. Think back to when you first learned the baby steps and how to handle your money the right way. You probably thought, I wish I'd learned this when I was in high school. Our Foundations in Personal Finance Curriculum is the money course you wish you'd had then, and it's been in 48% of America's high schools. But thousands of schools every year can't teach it because they don't have the funds. Through our curriculum sponsorship program, businesses and individuals team up with us to sponsor the curriculum into a high school they choose. So you you might send it like your old high school or something, or your old high school and uh, your uh, rival old high school or whatever that kind of stuff. Right? You can sponsor curriculum for one or two students or a whole school or a whole t- or a whole city. We've had businesses take on the whole city lots of times. Um, if you're willing to live and give like no one else, so you can sponsor for an entire school. Give today. Go to com slash Sponsor. Our question of the day comes from Blinds.com. Find out why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings, free samples, free shipping, new promos all the time. Always use the promo code RAMSEY to get the best possible deal.
2: Today's question comes from Peter in Alabama. My wife got accepted into the nurse practitioner program at the University of Alabama and will start in January. This program is highly competitive and will more than double her pay when she graduates. We started the Baby Steps about a month ago and are on Baby Step 2. We have decided that student loans are not an option for us and we are going to cash flow her school. We have researched scholarships, grants, employer paid programs and looked at your resources but have not had much luck with finding help for students in a graduate school program hoping you can point us in the right direction because any little bit will help it's very interesting i would definitely have more questions about where they are in baby step two and kind of what the reality is but i would also have a challenge to say you know how much have you searched? First of all, finding money for graduate school is more difficult than undergrad. There's not as much funding available, so it does take some digging. Um, a lot of people do end up having to cash flow it through their job, um, but I would also encourage you to look, especially with nursing, at different employers that are offering tuition assistance. You said you've already looked at that, but I happen to know that UAB Medicine, University of Alabama Medicine, has an awesome tuition assistance program, so If you haven't looked into that, I would definitely encourage you to go ahead and see if that's an option. Um, The reality is, I think a lot of people give up too easy when it comes to looking for money to pay for college. They look for scholarships for an hour or two, or they quickly do a Google search and they don't see something immediately and they go, well, there's nothing out there and they get frustrated. But the The truth is, is it takes time. You have to be willing to dig and dig and dig um, until you find a solution that works for you. I love that you've taken student loans off the table because that's step one. You know, if you don't have that as an option, you either one are going to have to really dig and figure out what it's going to take, whether that's working your tail off to be able to cash flow it, digging for scholarships, looking for employer tuition programs. Or perhaps you may need to look at a different program or put pause for a little bit. Hit pause until you can afford to pay for it with cash. I just think being willing to take that extra step to continue strategizing is so key. Yeah,
0: but I I think you say, um, until I have invested 40 hours and you log the hours, Mm -hmm. searching, scratching, emailing, texting, going through computers, talking to people until you've spent 40 solid hours working on scholarships, you haven't really looked yet. Mm-hmm. Four minutes with a Google search does not count.
2: That does not count. There's not a magic button. If that if that were the case... If everyone
0: it, would go get a scholarship.
2: Exactly. And, and there's not enough scholarship money out there for everyone to get a full ride, especially for grad school. It's, it's a limited resource. So if you want to be the person to get it, you got to be willing to put in the time and effort. It's a hard reality because I wish there was enough money for everyone to go debt-free with scholarships but scholarships specifically there's a limited pool now there is I believe anybody can get a debt-free education if they're willing to hustle and grind and look for employer tuition assistance so if she's options. if her
0: pay is more than double when she graduates she's probably already a nurse right is that what we're saying
2: that's what I'm so enduring. yeah I think
0: you may it, I, I would change jobs and go to work for somebody that pays for it mm-hmm. UAB is a great option it's called a huge raise when they mm-hmm. start paying for your nurse practitioner school and the other place doesn't, even if you took a pay cut, mm-hmm. but you got all your tuition free, ding, ding.
2: Well, and even same thing with scholarships, how you're like, you know, until you've spent 40 hours, until you've called every single hospital in town, until you've called every every doctor's office, anyone who could possibly need a nurse, like you haven't put in the that, work yet.
0: That will, you know, if you're currently a nurse and they don't have tuition payment or tuition assistance that's substantial, then then shop your job. 100 percent, and i would change jobs because you're going to change jobs anyway when you finish the nurse practitioner thing and you know and so you know go do that and uh you know it's the guy who takes a job as a um, groundskeeper at the university but the university gives all employees free tuition to their children Mm -hmm. you know yeah i'm gonna go cut grass buddy
1: Heck, yeah. You know,
0: and for a period of time here because that's, that's, that's the best paid lawn care guy on the planet right now if you put three kids through there, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. So you just think about it differently for a short period of time and you plug yourself into that. This is not a way of life for a decade. This is a thing to do to get there. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's a temporary change, you know, for long-term benefits.
0: Daniel is in Chicago. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. Hey, what's How up? How are you doing? Hey, uh so
3: um i recently got married i've i've been with uh, my now wife for about ten years um she's gonna graduate dental school in uh in may um she's so she's bringing in about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student loans um and more uh, than that she's got a yeah. It's, i'm sorry it's what, is um, what is her degree what do you
0: she go with seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt for uh dentist oh Jesus. Yeah, it's it's a good school, but it's
3: expensive. Um, you have I, no I idea about,
0: what you just said.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh. um, but uh, yeah, it's I've got about forty thousand in in debt from what seems like you guys call normal debt, credit cards, car, stuff like that. Um, and uh, I mean, she's gonna make good money, you know. But it's just I I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's it's how do we dig ourselves out of that hole?
2: And you said she's graduated, or she's still um, in school? no.
3: She she will graduate in May.
2: Does she have a job lined up, or what's your plan for after graduation?
3: Um, so, I'm not too savvy on all that. She's waiting for some sort of. She's waiting for some sort of thing that she needs before she can start applying. Um, it's pretty much is like her credentials um, to to show off to future employers. So she's waiting for that before she starts applying. Um, but uh, in the market she's been looking already it seems like she's gonna start off somewhere between 175 to 225 a year yeah okay
0: well he- here's the thing um, I can tell by the language you're using in your sentence structure um, that it is you guys have not grasped how devastating a situation you're in and with that um what a huge mistake this was. And part of solving this is going to be that you say out loud, and she says out loud, this, what, what, what has happened here, it's in the rearview mirror, and I'm not trying to shame her, but you have, in order to, to run away from a problem, you first have to realize that it's a problem. And Mm -hmm. um, the language you're using is minimizing this like you owe $30 to somebody or something, and it's no big deal. But it was a good school. It's not a good school. She paid double what she should have paid for her dentistry degree. Double. She got screwed. Yep. She got screwed. And you guys are up a creek. You're in a real mess. So if you will live like you're absolute poor people and go make three hundred dollars or $400,000 between the two of you, you can pay this off in maybe three years and get your life back. Or you can be a normal dentist and keep this around for the next two decades. And that's what most dentists do. The dental degrees are the most overcharged, overpriced degree of every degree out there right now. And this one is double the normal one. Ugh. Wow. Ouch. This is The Ramsey Show. Christina Ellis Ramsey, personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Sierra is with us. Sierra is in Kansas City. Hi, Sierra. How are you?
4: Hey, doing great. Just want to give a quick shout-out to Austin in the booth. He is awesome.
0: Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> he's absolutely amazing. He actually yeah, run, he actually runs the company, but we don't tell anybody. I would believe it. (laughs) How can we help?
4: Um, So my husband and I, we went through financial peace in the end of September. Um, All nine lessons in like nine days. Perfect. And we have been chugging along for two months now. We're in baby step two and we've paid off 18% of our total debt. So we are fired up. Boom, boom. Um, But looking ahead, um, our lease is up in April and we're not going to be able to stay here. It's just not going to meet our needs. And just like you told us in Financial Peace, we're seeing our credit score dropping, which we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to rent in our area, we got to maintain at least some credit, which I hate. I'm ready no, to be done with it. No, that's not true.
0: <laughs> that's not true. Okay. Completely not true. Um, Listen, we had one of our personalities call uh, 10 or 15 of the apartment complexes in our area, and our area is very similar to yours, and ask them how if they required a credit score in order to move in and only one out of ten said they did.
4: Requiring a credit score, but what about if our credit score hasn't disappeared yet? Well, I think you just sit down with a
0: manager and you say, I've got a low credit score because I'm paying off all my debts and I'm working the Dave Ramsey plan, and they will gladly lease to you with a deposit. Okay. and okay. If, if, you know, And especially if you're working with an individual landlord that has an individual house that's not a corporation, Right. Right. Like yeah. If you can't, I mean, I, um, like I've got a bunch of houses. If you came to a guy like me and said, "Listen, uh, yeah, you're going to find my credit score six forty five, but it's not because I have bad credit. It's because I'm paying off everything, and my credit score is dying. I'm trying to kill it." We would be going, right. "Yes." What's the best tenant? One that doesn't have any other debt. They can pay the rent.
4: <laughs> very, very true. Um, so, I guess that is definitely probably the best option. We had two things that we came up with. I wanted to kind of run by you to see what you think. Okay. Um, so knowing that we're going to be moving in April, uh, we were thinking either one, go into storm mode, pull, pile up all the money until we have moved, and then just press play and throw that all in the debt again, or
0: why do you need a pile of money uh, to rent?
4: We have to get a deposit. We have to get all of that kind of stuff together.
0: Well, you gotta you have to plan to be able to do that, but I don't know that you need to have like I mean, fifteen thousand dollars or something.
4: Right. I guess I'm still thinking of it like my credit score issue. So you're right. So if I'm not worried about the credit, then it doesn't matter.
2: Do you think, Dave, it would be a good exercise for her to go ahead and start calling apartment complexes today so she can, one, work through the credit score fears, and then, two, figure out exactly what her deposit is going to need to be?
0: Yeah, that's good planning. And if if you've got to stop or slow down your debt snowball in order to have the money to make the move, that's fine. But now, listen, yeah. what's your current rent?
4: Uh, currently, we're renting at 1200 a
0: month. Okay. And so if you go up in rent, you're going to slow down your whole life.
4: Right. We're not looking to really go much. We're looking to stick around this. Okay, um, good. The thing yeah. is, where we're at in the market, what we're paying for is not equivalent to things around us for the same price. There you and go. And we're okay. looking to start a family, so we need something
0: better. Okay. That's fine. There's no problem with that at all. Um yeah, just as long as you're staying in that same uh, price range. And, yeah, but, yeah, go ahead and start calling some places and look at some of the newspapers, 1500 or, you know, 1300 bucks or whatever like that, and you go, okay, here's the move I'm going to make. And just call them and shop it, like Christina said, and that helps you put your budget together.
2: Well, and they may say, you know you need two months as a deposit, and then you have that clarity. you, you set aside twenty four, twenty five hundred dollars, and then you continue with the debt snowball because I love how aggressive you've been. The fact that you've already tore through eighteen percent is amazing. And I don't want you to lose that momentum just holding on to the money kind of getting complacent and waiting all the way till April. I think you guys can, you know, set aside the deposit and then continue with, you know, so much fire in your belly that you don't slow that down.
0: Okay. So we have a reality. Yes, the reality is the move. And let's let facts be our friends, not theory and hyperbole and drama.
4: Yeah, that no- makes sense. And that's kind of my biggest fear is I don't want to lose the momentum that yeah, we have going because yeah. we are on fire. Yeah. Don't
0: <laughs> don't oversteer. Don't overcorrect to make the move, in other words. and. And so we're going to shut down, and then we have seventeen thousand dollars, and we needed four thousand to make the move. No, that would be silly. That's oversteering, right? Uh, but if you need, if you do a little bit of research, you figure we need three thousand, we need thirty-eight hundred bucks to make this move, and then we're going to get our deposit back and when we move, and we get that deposit back, we'll throw it at the debt. Um, you know, we just play a little cash game here with hide the pee under the shell, and uh, you know, then that, that that's just good planning. But the unknown sometimes makes us oversteer and go into drama mode.
2: Right. And drama mode can stop that momentum. I love that you called because you can hear it in your voice. You are on fire. It gets me fired up just hearing you talk. So get it. Get it. Yeah.
0: Get it. Well done. Amy's in Sacramento. Hi, Amy. How are you? Amy?
5: Hello, sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry about that.
0: That's okay. How are you?
5: Thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I'm new to the baby steps and I wish I knew about this the month before I bought my house. Um, so my question is, did I buy my house on a, uh, emotional (laughs) level and should I have stepped back? So my question now is, do I gracefully determine how to get out of this house or do I make peace with myself and plan to, uh, so that I, I eventually can stay here for quite a while. Mm.
2: So, what what emotions were you feeling when you bought the house?
5: So, about seven months ago, my husband died, oh my. and I have three children. Um, one is twenty; the others uh, eight, seventeen, and one is eleven. And so, um, I, I was, you know, feeling all kinds of feelings, and um, it's been, you know, a little bit hard.
1: Sure.
5: Um, dealing with everything going on. The other rationale is uh, we were also separated for about three years, um, and it was not an amicable. Um, my divorce was never finalized, but um, I felt like you know I I definitely need to find stability for my three children. Uh, I want to make sure that the, all the changes that that's going on since the divorce, and then especially now. That they're attending the same school, the same district, you know, all, all, and just yeah. have a stable home because I was renting um, after I separated.
0: Yeah, Amy, so I'm so my, sorry uh-huh. what you've been through. I'm so sorry.
5: Thank what, you. What,
0: what did you pay for the house?
5: I did pay for the house.
0: I said, what did, um, you, what did you pay for it?
5: Um, How much? Well, it was like
0: $765,000. Okay, and what did you, did you get a mortgage or you used life insurance or what, how did you pay for it?
5: So he had no life insurance. Um, I've always been the breadwinner um, my entire life. Um, and when we separated, I, I paid alimony and child support as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other rationale for why I felt like okay. I, I need
0: am I'm, I'm, I'm not questioning, right? I'm just trying to figure out the math, okay? Sure. There's a lot of reasons that are valid for you to have emotion around this. So um, mm-hmm. what is your payment on your house?
5: Right now, I'm paying. Well, December one will be my very first payment. I'm paying right about five k a wow,
0: month. Five thousand dollars a month. Okay. And what is your income?
5: Currently, I make about hundred twenty k. Okay. Um, now, honey, that being honey, spent,
0: I can just stop. Mm-hmm. You have other income coming in.
5: Yes, uh, I was just about to mention I have social security and a small pension from mm-hmm. him
0: that amounts so to how, amounts um, to how much.
5: Uh,
0: about forty five hundred a month. Okay, so your take home pay is about twelve thousand bucks, right?
5: My you, with after all this, taxes. With all this, yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Okay, your your house payment is very high. Yes. It's very high. Um, I'm so sorry you're in this situation. I'm so sorry how you got here, but I, regardless of how you got there or what your motives were or reasons for getting there, your house payment is very high. And you know that, and that's why you called. So I don't want to add pain to a life that's full of pain already, but I want you to really look at that and begin thinking about it. Alice Ramsey, personality, is my co host today. Open phones at 888 825 5225. Okay. Uh, Financial counseling life hack moment. I just created a new segment for the show. Um, From having done this financial coaching for 30 plus years and having done it one on one, kneecap to kneecap to kneecap, many times. Started years ago doing it as a ministry in our church just to help people and they would come in and sit down Help them do their budget and help them do this stuff and and it evolved into this whole thing that we all call Ramsey now Um, One of the things that I've seen over and over and over again, and it's so much so that it's almost a stereotype uh, It's not always true and generalizations are always dangerous, but I'll give you a generalization I'll tell you what happens a lot And this is a life hack for those of you out there and you're facing it. It comes from our last caller. Okay. A couple with um, two little kids in elementary school go through a divorce. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent, here's the math. Most of the time, the husband makes more money than the wife. Not saying that's right, just saying it's factual. Okay. Typically, I sit down with a couple. Two jobs. Sometimes it's the other way around, but it's, it, oftentimes the husband makes more money than the wife or she's a stay-at-home mom, which, of course, he makes more money than she makes at that point. The Going through a divorce with little kids in the home, going through a divorce period is an absolute, um, it's walking through hell, barefooted. I mean, it's, it's awful. It's a horrible thing. It's hard on mom. It's hard on dad. It's hard on family. It's hard on friends. It's hard on your church community. It's hard on your kids. It's hard on everybody everybody in the mix is hurting no one's thinking clearly and everyone's trying to take their little corner of the world and keep it sane in the middle of massive insanity and here's what normally happens mom and dad split up we now don't have a two-income family or now we have um, a, a, a lady and mom the lady in the divorce with less income certainly than she had before but less income than he makes normally wants to keep the house that they bought based on his income being in the picture in order that the children can stay in the school because their lives are already upheveled, their lives are already upside down and to make them move and have to change schools in the middle of all that makes it almost unbearable for mother bear And Mother Bear just wants to protect. And in the name of that, in the divorce settlement, she gets the house with payments that she can't afford. And so she has traded one kind of stress unbeknownst. And with good noble intent, she's traded the stress of the children having to move and being uprooted out of a school to the children living in a household that is absolutely starving to death and broke due to a house payment they can't afford. And so it became something that almost every single week I had the uh, horrible job of sitting and looking at Mama Bear and explaining to her, the best thing you can do for your children is to uproot them and live in a house you can afford. After this is clear, because you cannot afford this house. You are living a, you're trying to hold on to a picture, as Dr. John Loney says, of what was and make it what is and it is not there anymore and you cannot support this house payment on half of the income or less than half of the income or way less than half of the income uh... in most cases it ends up being in an effort to keep the kids stabilized in a highly volatile situation in their schools you end up destabilizing them for the next decade because they're living with a single mom now who's working three jobs trying to keep a house that she can't afford so that they can not have to trade schools you traded one kind of destabilization one kind of stress in the house for the kids for another kind and unintentionally with noble intent you're trying to protect your children but you're making a bad decision sell the house in the divorce almost always sell the house in the divorce now our last caller was different they were separated he passed away and in the middle of all that, she bought a house she couldn't afford. That's a little different. But it still had the same net result. We've still got an 11-year-old and an t- uh, older teenager who was 16 or 17 living in a house full of stress. And you could hear it in her voice. It was sad.
2: It was very sad. And, and you could hear the remorse, too.
0: Yeah. I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. You could feel it. Yeah. Because she did make a mistake. And it was. it's not to shame her or to beat her up, because I've done dumber things, believe me. But... but you know, what you have to be careful of is, is that in the middle of all of that crisis, Dr. L- John talks about this all the time, that our, our critical thinking skills break down. We, we just grab at anything that feels stable, trying to keep some version of our past life that we liked still intact going forward. And in, in a lot of cases, that takes the form of keeping the house after the divorce. And the house is a house we can't afford. And it's like trying to swim with an anchor tied around your ankle mm. um, and keep your head above water for the next decade. And uh, that's why I run into a lot of divorcee ladies with little kids at home. They're getting child support. Maybe they're getting alimony, and but they're working three jobs to try to support a house payment to create this false sense of stability uh, while being unstable. Right you know, with the kids. And it's just so sad because the intent is so sweet. It's such a mama bear, wonderful thing to think about, to protect the kids and the noble to take the kids, but you're really not accomplishing your goal.
2: Right. Because what the kids need more than anything is you. They need your presence. Yeah. They need your peace. And if you're stressed about money, if you can't afford your house payment, you're not going to be who you want to be. In
0: they would true. rather you be at home after work instead mm. of going to your second and third job, than go to that school. One hundred percent. Kids change schools all the time. Ask people in the military. Ask people in corporate America that move every two years. Kids change schools all the time, and they survive, and some of them even thrive in that situation. And so, you know, it's a falsehood to say, well, they're going to lose all their friends. They're going to. They're eleven. They're going to be okay. But you're 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 bringing another kind of damage, another kind of stress into their lives in an effort to protect the other one. That's an unintended consequence. It's There was no one doing this. It was not selfish greed. It was not some, uh, you know, uh, selfish uh, princess that bought something that she couldn't afford. This is a mama trying to take care of her kids. So it's the highest of all motives, the most noble of all motives, but it's still ending in uh, an unintended consequence that is actually worse than what they were trying to protect from.
2: Right. And I think it's just, it highlights just that need to slow down when you're in those situations, when your critical thinking has gone down, you're in crisis mode to slow down because it is so easy to grasp at straws, to grasp at things that you think will help. Just taking that time to breathe and to, you know, just let, let what logic can come back, come back.
0: It's almost like the, uh, it's really scary to rescue someone that's drowning because they can drown you, Mm. you know? Because they're they're just flailing around out there, and there's a little bit of that going on, you know. And so uh, this is just a life hack. It's again, it's a generalization. It's not always true. I have talked to people that, you know, they divorce a guy who's got twenty million dollars, and he leaves them eighteen million dollars, and they go pay cash for a house. Well, shut up. That's not how I'm talking about. Okay, that's not that's not the thing. Or, or you know, in the divorce, I get uh, he makes a million dollars a year, and I get alimony of you know enough to pay the payments and still have plenty of margin. And that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about a, a a typical template is not any of those things. A typical template is still in America, right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not, it's not right. Ladies ought to make as much for the same job as a men makes. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. So, uh, but, uh, but in, in most households, mom does not out earn dad in America today still. And so when she ends up with a house with a lesser income, and um, it, it's, she oftentimes can't afford it. So that's a life hack for you. As painful as it feels like in the moment, the best long-term play is sell the house. It's just a house. It's just a school. There's schools and houses everywhere. This is the Ramsey Show. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show.
3: This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during
1: this episode. Thanks for listening.